Chapter Fifteen of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen. For a long time, nothing was heard beneath the sycamore save Miriam's low moans and the impatient footsteps of the warrior who, while struggling for composure, did not venture to disturb her. He could not yet understand what had suddenly towered like a mountain between him and the object of his love. He had learned from Hur's words that his father and Moses rejected all mediation, yet the promises he was bearing to the people seemed to him a merciful gift from the Most High. None of his race yet knew it, and, if Moses was the man whom he believed him to be, the Lord must open his eyes and show him that he had chosen him, Hosea, to lead the people through his mediation to a fairer future, nor did he doubt that he could easily win his father over to his side. He would even have declared a second time, with the firmest faith, that it was the Most High who had pointed out his path, and after reflecting upon all this, he approached Miriam, who had at last risen, with fresh confidence. His loving heart prompted him to clasp her in his arms, but she thrust him back, and her voice, usually so pure and clear, sounded harsh and muffled, as she asked why he had lingered so long, and what he intended to confide to her. While cowering under the sycamore, she had not only struggled and prayed for composure, but also gazed into her own soul. She loved Hosea, but she suspected that he came with proposals similar to those of Uri, and the wrathful words of Hori Nun rang in her ears more loudly than ever. The fear that the man she loved was walking in mistaken paths, and the startling act of her had made the towering waves of her passion subside, and her mind, now capable of calmer reflection, desired first of all to know what had so long detained him, whom she had summoned in the name of her God, and why he came alone, without Ephraim. The clear sky was full of stars, and those heavenly bodies, which seemed to have been appointed to look down upon the bliss of united human lovers, now witnessed the anxious questions of a tortured girl, and the impatient answers of a fiery, bitterly disappointed man. He began with the assurance of his love, and that he had come to make her his wife. But, though she permitted him to hold her hand in his clasp, she entreated him to cease pleading his suit, and first tell her what she desired to know. On his way he had received various reports concerning Ephraim through a brother-in-arms from Tanis, so he could tell her that the lad had been disobedient, and, probably from foolish curiosity, had gone, ill and wounded, to the city, where he had found shelter and care in the house of a friend. But this troubled Miriam, who seemed to regard it as a reproach to know that the orphaned, inexperienced lad, who had grown up under her own eyes, and whom she herself had sent forth among strangers, was beneath an Egyptian roof. But Hosea declared that he would undertake the task of bringing him back to his people, and as, nevertheless she continued to show her anxiety, asked whether he had forfeited her confidence and love. Instead of giving him a consoling answer, she began to put more questions, desiring to know what had delayed his coming, and so, with a sorely troubled and wounded heart, he was forced to make his report, and in truth, begin at the end of his story. While she listened, leaning against the trunk of the sycamore, he paced to and fro, 
urged by longing and impatience, sometimes pausing directly in front of her. Not in this hour seemed to him worthy of being clothed in words, save the hope and passion which filled his heart. Had he been sure that hers was estranged, he would have dashed away again, after having revealed his whole soul to his father, and risked the ride into unknown regions to seek Moses. To win Miriam, and save himself from perjury, were his only desires, and momentous as had been his experiences and expectations, during the last few days, he answered her questions hastily, as if they concerned the most trivial things. He began his narrative in hurried words, and the more frequently she interrupted him, the more impatiently he bore it, the deeper grew the lines in his forehead. Hosea, accompanied by his attendant, had ridden southward several hours full of gladsome courage, and rich and budding hopes, when just before dusk he saw a vast multitude moving in advance of him. At first he supposed he had encountered the rear guard of the migrating Hebrews, and had urged his horse to greater speed, but ere he overtook the wayfarers some peasants and carters who had abandoned their wains and beasts of burden rushed past him with loud outcries and shouts of warning which told him that the people moving in front were lepers and the fugitive's warning had been but too well founded for the first who turned with the heart-rending cry unclean unclean bore the signs of those attacked by the fell disease and from their distorted faces covered with white dust and scurf, lustreless eyes, destitute of brows, gazed at him. Hosea soon recognized individuals. Here Egyptian priests with shaven heads, yonder Hebrew men and women. With the stern composure of a soldier, he questioned both and learned that they were marching from the stone quarries opposite Memphis, to their place of isolation on the eastern shore of the Nile several of the hebrews among them had heard from their relatives that their people had left egypt and gone to seek a land which the lord had promised them many had therefore resolved to put their trust also in the almighty god of their fathers and follow the wanderers the egyptian priests bound to the hebrews by the tie of a common misfortune had accompanied them and fixed upon succoth as the goal of their journey knowing that moses intended to lead his people there first but every one who could have directed them on their way had fled before them, so they had kept too far northward and wandered near the fortress of Fabni. Hosea had met them a mile from this spot and advised them to turn back, that they might not bring their misfortune upon their fugitive brethren. During this conversation, a body of Egyptian soldiers had marched from the fortress toward the lepers to drive them from the road, but their commander, who knew Hosea, used no violence, and both men persuaded the leaders of the lepers to accept the proposal to be guided to the peninsula of Sinai, where in the midst of the mountains, not far from the mines, a colony of lepers had settled. They had agreed to this plan because Hosea promised them that, if the tribes went eastward, they would meet them and receive everyone who was healed, but if the Hebrews remained in Egypt, Nevertheless, the pure air of the desert would bring health to many a sufferer, and every one who recovered would be free to return home. These negotiations had consumed much time, and the first delay was followed by many others, for as Hosea had been in such close contact with the lepers, he was obliged to ride to Thabne, there with the commander of the garrison, who had stood by his side, to be sprinkled with bird's blood, 
put on new garments and submit to certain ceremonies which he himself considered necessary and which could be performed only in the bright sunlight his servant had been kept in the fortress because the kind-hearted man had shaken hands with a relative whom he met among the hapless wretches the cause of the delay had been both sorrowful and repulsive and not until after hosea had left fabni in the afternoon and proceeded on his way to sukoth did hope and joy again revive at the thought of seeing miriam once more and bringing to his people a message that promised so much good his heart had never throbbed faster or with more joyous anticipation than on the nocturnal ride which led him to his father and the woman he loved and on reaching his goal instead of the utmost happiness he now found only bitter disappointment he had reluctantly described in brief disconnected sentences his meeting with the lepers though he believed he had done his best for the welfare of these unfortunates all of his warrior comrades had uttered a word of praise but when he paused she whose approval he valued above aught else pointed to a portion of the camp and said sadly they are of our blood and our god is theirs the lepers in zoan phacos and phibeseth follow the others at a certain distance and their tents are pitched outside the camp those in sukoth there are not many will also be permitted to go forth with us for when the lord promised the people the land for which they long he meant lofty and lowly poor and humble and surely also the hapless ones who must now remain in the hands of the foe would you not have done better to separate the hebrews from the egyptians and guide those of our own blood to us the warrior's manly pride rebelled and his answer sounded grave and stern in war we must resolve to sacrifice hundreds in order to save thousands the shepherds separate the scabby sheep to protect the flock true replied miriam eagerly for the shepherd is a feeble man who knows no remedy against contagion but the lord who calls all his people will suffer no harm to arise from rigid obedience this is a woman's mode of thinking replied hosea but what pity dictates to her must not weigh too heavily in the balance in the counsels of men you willingly obey the voice of the heart which is most proper but you should not forget what befits you and your sex a deep flush crimsoned miriam's cheeks for she felt the sting contained in this speech with twofold pain because it was hosea who dealt the thrust how many pangs she had been compelled to endure that day on account of her sex and now he too made her feel that she was not his peer because she was a woman in the presence of the stones her had gathered and on which her hand now rested he had appealed to her verdict as though she were one of the leaders of the people and now he abruptly thrust her who felt herself inferior to no man in intellect and talent back into a woman's narrow sphere but he too felt his dignity wounded and her bearing showed him that this hour would decide whether he or she would have the mastery in their future union he stood proudly before her his mien stern in its majesty never before had he seemed so manly so worthy of admiration yet the desire to battle for her insulted womanly dignity gained supremacy over every other feeling and it was she who at last broke the brief painful silence that had followed his last words and with a composure won only by the exertion of all her strength of will she began we have both forgotten what detains us here so late at night 
you wish to confide to me what brings you to your people and to hear not what miriam the weak woman but the confidant of the lord decides i hope also to hear the voice of the maiden on whose love i rely he answered gloomily you shall hear it she replied quickly taking her hand from the stones yet it may be that i cannot agree with the opinion of the man whose strength and wisdom are so far superior to mine yet you have just shown that you cannot tolerate the opposition of a woman not even mine miriam he interrupted reproachfully but she continued still more eagerly i have felt it and because it would be the greatest grief of my life to lose your heart you must learn to understand me ere you call upon me to express my opinion first hear my message no no she answered quickly the reply would die upon my lips let me first tell you of the woman who has a loving heart and yet knows something else that stands higher than love do you smile you have a right to do so you have so long been a stranger to the secret i mean to confide speak then he interrupted in a tone which betrayed how difficult it was for him to control his impatience i thank you she answered warmly then leaning against the trunk of the ancient tree while he sank down on the bench gazing alternately at the ground and into her face she began childhood already lies behind me and youth will soon follow when i was a little girl there was not much to distinguish me from others i played like them and though my mother had taught me to pray to the god of our fathers i was well pleased to listen to the other children's tales of the goddess isis nay i stole into her temple bought spices plundered our little garden for her anointed her altar and brought flowers for offerings i was taller and stronger than many of my companions and was also the daughter of amram so they followed me and readily did what i suggested when i was eight years old we moved hither from zoan ere i again found a girl playfellow who came to gamaliel your sister's husband to be cured of the wound dealt by a libyan's lance do you remember that time when you a youth made the little girl a companion i brought you what you needed and prattled to you of the things i knew but you told me of bloody battles and victories of flashing armor and the steeds and chariots of the warrior you showed me the ring your daring had won and when the wound in your breast was cured we roved over the pastures isis whom you also loved had a temple here and how often i secretly slipped into the forecourt to pray for you and offer her my holiday cakes i had heard so much from you of pharaoh and his splendor of the egyptians and their wisdom their art and luxurious life that my little heart longed to live among them in the capital besides it had reached my ears that my brother moses had received great favors in pharaoh's palace and risen to distinction in the priesthood i no longer cared for my own people they seemed to me inferior to the egyptians in all respects then came the parting from you and as my little heart was devout and expected all good gifts from the divine power no matter what name it bore i prayed for pharaoh and his army in whose ranks you were fighting my mother sometimes spoke of the god of our fathers as a mighty protector to whom the people in former days owed much gratitude and told me many beautiful tales of him but she herself often offered sacrifices in the temple of seth or carried clover blossoms to the sacred bull of the sun god 
she too was kindly disposed toward the egyptians among whom her pride and joy our moses had attained such high honors so in happy intercourse with the others i reached my fifteenth year in the evening when the shepherds returned home i sat with the young people around the fire and was pleased when the sons of the shepherd princes preferred me to my companions and sought my love but i refused them all even the egyptian captain who commanded the garrison of the storehouse for i remembered you the companion of my youth my best possession would not have seemed too dear a price to pay for some magic spell that would have brought you to us when at the festal games i danced and sang to the tambourine while the loudest shouts of applause greeted me whenever many were listening i thought of you then i poured forth like the lark the feelings that filled my heart then my song was inspired by you and not by the fame of the most high to whom it was consecrated here passion with renewed power seized the man to whom the woman he loved was confessing so many blissful memories suddenly starting up he extended his arms toward her but she sternly repulsed him that she might control the yearning which threatened to overpower her also yet her deep voice had regained a new strange tone as at first rapidly and softly then in louder and firmer accents she continued so i attained my eighteenth year and was no longer satisfied to dwell in sukoth an indescribable longing and not for you only had taken possession of my soul what had formerly afforded me pleasure now seemed shallow and the monotony of life here in the remote frontier city amid shepherds and flocks appeared dull and pitiful eleazar aaron's son had taught me to read and brought me books full of tales which could never have happened yet which stirred the heart many also contain hymns and fervent songs such as one lover sings to another these made a deep impression on my soul and whenever i was alone in the evening or at noonday when the shepherds and flocks were far away in the fields i repeated these songs or composed new ones most of which were hymns in praise of the deity sometimes they extolled amon with the ram's head sometimes cow-headed isis and often too the great and omnipotent god who revealed himself to abraham and of whom my mother spoke more and more frequently as she advanced in years to compose such hymns in quiet hours wait for visions revealing god's grandeur and splendor or beautiful angels and horrible demons became my favorite occupation the merry child had grown a dreamy maiden who let household affairs go as they would and there was no one who could have warned me for my mother had followed my father to the grave and i now lived alone with my old aunt rachel unhappy myself and a source of joy to no one aaron the oldest of our family had removed to the dwelling of his father-in-law aminadab the house of amram his heritage had become too small and plain for him and he left it to me my companions avoided me for my mirthfulness had departed and i patronized them with wretched arrogance because i could compose songs and be held more in my visions than all the other maidens nineteen years passed and on the evening of my birthday which no one remembered save milka eleazar's daughter the most high for the first time sent me a messenger he came in the guise of an angel and bade me set the house in order for a guest the person dearest to me on earth was on the way 
it was early and under this very tree but i went home and with old rachel's help set the house in order and provided food wine and all else we offer to an honored guest noon came and the afternoon passed away evening deepened into night and morning returned yet i still waited for the guest but when the sun of that day was nearing the western horizon the dogs began to bark loudly and when i went to the door a powerful man with tangled gray hair and beard clad in the tattered white robes of a priest hurried toward me the dogs shrank back whining but i recognized my brother our meeting after so long a separation at first brought me more fear than pleasure for moses was flying from the officers of the law because he had slain the overseer you know the story wrath still glowed in his flashing eyes he seemed to me like the god seth in his fury and each one of his slow words was graven upon my soul as by a hammer and chisel thrice seven days and nights he remained under my roof and as i was alone with him and deaf rachel he was compelled to remain concealed no one came between us and he taught me to know him who is the god of our fathers trembling and despairing i listened to his powerful words which seemed to fall like rocks upon my breast when he admonished me of god's requirements or described the grandeur and wrath of him whom no mind can comprehend and no name can describe ah when he spoke of him and of the egyptian gods it seemed as if the god of my people stood before me like a giant whose head touched the sky and the other gods were creeping in the dust at his feet like whining curs he taught me also that we alone were the people whom the lord had chosen we and no other then for the first time i was filled with pride at being a descendant of abraham and every hebrew seemed a brother every daughter of israel a sister now too i perceived how cruelly my people had been enslaved and tortured i had been blind to their suffering but moses opened my eyes and sowed in my heart hate intense hate of their oppressors and from that hate sprang love for the victims i vowed to follow my brother and await the summons of my god and lo he did not tarry and jehovah's voice spoke to me as with tongues old rachel died at moses's bidding i gave up my solitary life and accepted the invitation of aaron and aminadab so i became a guest in their household yet led a separate life among them all they did not interfere with me and the sycamore here on their land became my special property beneath its shadow god commanded me to summon you and bestow on you the name help of jehovah and you no longer hosea but joshua will obey the mandate of god and his prophetess here the warrior interrupted the maiden's words to which he had listened earnestly yet with increasing disappointment i i have obeyed you and the most high but what it cost me you disdain to ask your story has reached the present time yet you have made no mention of the days following my mother's death during which you were our guest in tanis have you forgotten what first your eyes and then your lips confessed have the day of your departure and the evening on the sea when you bade me hope for and remember you quite vanished from your memory did the hatred moses implanted in your heart kill love as well as every other feeling love asked miriam raising her large eyes mournfully to his oh no how could i forget that time the happiest of my life 
yet from the day moses returned from the wilderness by god's command to release the people from bondage three months after my separation from you i have taken no note of years and months days and nights then you have forgotten those also hosea asked harshly not so miriam answered gazing beseechingly into his face the love that grew up in the child and did not wither in the maiden's heart cannot be killed but whoever consecrates one's life to the lord here she suddenly paused raised her hands and eyes rapturously as if born out of herself and cried imploringly thou art near omnipotent one and seest my heart thou knowest why miriam took no note of days and years and ask nothing save to be thy instrument until her people who are also this man's people received what thou didst promise during this appeal which rose from the inmost depths of the maiden's heart the light wind which precedes the coming of dawn had risen and the foliage of the thick crown of the sycamore above miriam's head rustled but hosea fairly devoured with his eyes the tall majestic figure half illumined half veiled by the faint glimmering light what he heard and saw seemed like a miracle the lofty future she anticipated for her people and which must be realized ere she would permit herself to yield to the desire of her own heart he believed that he was hearing them as a messenger of the lord as if wrapped by the noble enthusiasm of her soul he rushed toward her seized her hand and cried in glad emotion then the hour has come which will again permit you to distinguish months from days and listen to the wishes of your own soul for to i joshua no longer hosea but joshua come as the envoy of the lord and my message promises to the people whom i will learn to love as you do new prosperity and thus fulfils the promise of a new and better home bestowed by the most high miriam's eyes sparkled brightly and overwhelmed with grateful joy she exclaimed thou hast come to lead us into the land which jehovah promised to his people o oh lord how measureless is thy goodness he he comes as thy messenger he comes he is here joshua enthusiastically replied and she did not resist when he clasped her to his breast and thrilling with joy she returned his kiss End of chapter 15